Hi everyone, I'm Kara Schott, Senior Vice President of Events and Content here at HCI. Some of you loyal listeners might be wondering why I'm here and not our typical 9 to 5 host, Alan Mellish. Alan has recently moved on to a new opportunity, and I want to take a minute and express our gratitude for his time here at HCI. We truly wish him all the best. Going forward, you are going to hear an array of hosts here on our channel. We hope you continue to join us as we bring you the best in HR, talent management, and business strategy. Today, I'm joined by Adam Siegel, workplace expert and CEO of Code. Adam, welcome to 9 to Thrive. Great. Thanks, Kara. Thanks for having me today. So, Adam, let's talk about returning to work. Uh, I think employees are feeling a little bit like kids on summer break, and they don't want to go back. I'm going to read you a few headlines that I've seen from the last week. Forcing employees to return to the office, prepare to face the consequences. Great resignation gains steam as return to work plans take effect. The future of work is hybrid. So I think this sentiment is understandable. Um, In my opinion, the silver lining to the pandemic has been this feeling of workers everywhere that working from home gave them part of their lives back. And in some cases, I think people didn't even realize that was missing. But once you experience this change, it's really hard to think about going back to the way things were. And this puts employers in a tough spot. So Adam, let's start with the commute. For me personally, I had a 45-minute commute on a good day each way, an hour on a bad day. So how can companies help their employees mentally get over this hurdle of getting back in the car and commuting to work? No, definitely. The commute is a serious challenge to a centralized office, which is typically where people will put their offices more central to everyone, not anyone in particular. In a lot of ways, it's almost the, the least convenient solution, but equally inconvenient for everyone, um, which by default requires uh, people to uh, commute. I think it's, uh, it's a tough challenge. Uh, the reason why it's a tough challenge is, by and large, people have been extremely productive over the last 16 months. You've seen record profits um, in Q4 from corporate America, and just generally uh, employee happiness it seems to be anecdotally and in the data higher than, than prior to the pandemic for, for those people that have that flexibility to work from home. So yeah, given the, the question of, of commutes and how people get over these hurdles to going back to the office, I think it's incumbent upon the employers to really define why the office is important to their culture. If it is, presuming it is, and they want to make it a core component and turn it into a business resource. It's not just the place that you go to uh, have a desk to work from. I mean, we all, as become clear, people have that at home and are able to successfully use that as a place to work. What they don't have is their colleagues, um, the engagement, the ways in which the social component of work really helps transform and in, enable a different type of work experience based off the employer and the employer's culture. So I think it's incumbent again on the employer to define, no, hey, we, we understand, we we hear that it, you've been productive from home. We also want to layer in this component of leveraging the office to bring forth a different type of work. We're still going to be thoughtful in the way in which we use alternate work solutions. But we believe if that's the way your organization goes and believes, we believe that the office is a core component to our future productivity. Yeah, Adam, I think that's a great point in terms of employers really needing to make the case for the importance. 
And I think hybrid work solutions could be a good compromise, but not necessarily any less difficult to manage. So what are your suggestions for employers managing hybrid demands? I, I could see some tension created across teams where some people can work from home, some roles you just can't. And so that creates kind of an inequity and, and maybe some discord across teams. So what are your thoughts there? Sure. I think that's a challenge. There's always different benefits that are afforded to certain employee bases or in certain groups of categories and not afforded to others. So I, I think hybrid work and the ability to layer that in has to be thoughtfully done and thought through on a group basis, on an organization basis, then on a department basis, and then really on an individual basis. And that's that's where we see or I see this notion of the personalization of work and how does that play into the future of work and the future of work experience is what works best for each individual. And yes, for certain roles, that's going to require people to be on site. Um, but there's also other components and benefits that are distinct based on the role. You know, not everyone has the same salary. Not everyone has uh, certain types of benefits that other people have. So I think it's just another benefit or really a key component. And people do see it as a benefit. And so employers should leverage it and use it accordingly to really think through how they engage with their employees, irrespective of if it can be universally applied, but then thinking through, okay, how can we at least organizationally, then departmentally, and then personally apply it to be uh, a benefit to hopefully as many people as possible? Yeah, I think that employees are going to have to meet employers halfway, right? To understand that, as you mentioned, these types of differences will just exist depending on your role, your team, or what your personal situation is. So when we're thinking about the physical office space, what can companies do to create a welcoming environment that doesn't just feel superficial? So there's, you know, in the past, there's been a lot of talk about engaging workspaces and some organizations, you know, put a foosball table in the, the entryway and kind of called it done. But what can organizations do on a deeper level to create a welcoming environment? It's a good question. I think, yeah, what you're describing are some yeah, physical assets that you know an organization may have or put in that often fill up areas where are intended to be more socialized, but may not actually end up getting used. Really, they're, your employees are users. They're your customers of the space. And so how can you create an environment that optimizes for their daily, really productive experience or weekly or how often, however often they're coming in? And then how do we create an environment that enables that, you know, it, it may or may not include the additions of things like foosball or, uh, you know, more, more things that you often find in a, in a very social setting, but really how do you create the environments, collaborative spaces, more kitchen open areas for collaborative work, social work, private meeting rooms, quiet rooms where people can go and be productive on their own. It, create this environment that will entice people to come in because they're able to not only leverage the space, to engage with colleagues that they they aren't going to see at home, but also have experiences that, again, they're not going to see at home and that can be more productive and have a more fulfilling day. And so the, it's really incumbent, again, on the employer to create that environment, to say, yes, this is going to add to your productivity, add to your work experience, add to your engagement in a way that we believe as an organization, you're not going to get at the same experience at home on a daily basis. Yes, we want to you know think in terms of how do we leverage both or different work environments to be thoughtful around it? 
But at the end of the day, it's how does this differentiate and add value to the company's culture and to the personal experience that really is at core to all of this? Do you see companies that are doing this well or what are you guys doing at Cove maybe that you would want to share? Sure. No, I think it's, you know, right now the office is just not being used at scale. People, organizations are starting to come back typically as a percentage of the employee base, but not en masse. I think we'll see more in that space from, from organizations we see, from buildings we, we support from a technology and service perspective. We'll see that really more post-Labor Day. From an organization perspective, we're starting to think more in terms of remote first. So how do we account for that perspective in every meeting, irrespective if we're back in the office, accounting for people being at home or being in other markets? Because we've hired people, quite frankly, all over the country in the past six months. And so how do we create a kind of a universal culture, irrespective of where you're located? The thing that we often forget is prior to the pandemic, we were always operating in a hybrid work environment. People, a lot of companies had flexible work schedules. You go into most any office prior to the pandemic on a Friday, and it's just quite frankly, it's maybe 15% of the people are there and people are often working from home, working from travel. So this isn't new. The big component is how do you do it at scale and at scale in a way that it's, it's actually core to the way in which you work. And so I think every organization is learning what to do. They haven't had the opportunity as much to think about how do we leverage the physical space in the best way we can? How do we redesign it? Because we're just not physically there every day yet. Are not physically there using it on a regular basis. But I think the organizations and the way we will is how do we come together thoughtfully? When do we do that? Do we have requirements around monthly retreats? Do we think in terms of, again, leveraging days in which there's opportunity to bring people together as best we can? Those are the days that we want people in the same environment. So I think these are the, the types of questions that us as an organization, the organizations that we see that are thinking through, and it's going to be a behavior change, right? we we prior to the pandemic, there was there was one way of doing business in terms of using an office more as a de facto solution that you may have been required to go on a daily basis, but based off of schedules, you may not have been there. Over the past 16 months, we've been entirely working remotely. Now, what's this third alternative that we haven't done? This hybrid component at scale, and how can we leverage the best of both worlds to optimize for that company culture as well as that individual personalization of work? I really feel for new hires. You mentioned new hires. I really feel for new hires over the last, you know, 12 months. I've been at HCI nine years. I know my colleagues very well. I know the organization. For me and for our organization to go fully remote wasn't a big leap. If I had just been newly hired into an organization, I think I would feel completely different and maybe even a little lost. So were there things that you had to do differently over the last year to onboard your new hires at Cove? There hasn't been anything in particular that we've done differently, except to think about the experience that everyone's working from home. And so we're all in the same boat from that perspective. And I think from an onboarding perspective, the things that we've done have been subtle and simple, but been impactful. Whereas before we wouldn't, we'd have kind of monthly all team check-in. Some people would you know, half the team would be on site. The other team may be remote. We had different satellites. Um, now we do everyone. Everyone's on a Zoom every week at a certain time. And we kind of catch up informally as well as have more business updates. So that's kind of a time to get come together and do more interactive activities that are outside the scope of necessarily just a standard town hall for us. 
I think outside of that, we've come up with some more interesting and engaging ways to onboard employees, whether it's uh, typically everyone has to do a 10 to 20 minute lesson on anything of their choosing. Someone cooked a pizza live. It was pretty fun. Other people showed their modeling skills from an Excel spreadsheet perspective on financial modeling. Um, but it's really saying, hey, how do you bring that personality so people start to get to know you irrespective of they're going to work with you on a daily basis and at least get a flavor for the different people joining the organization as we kind of come together from a holistic perspective. But yeah, I think the notion of joining and starting an organization, just like anything else, going to school, you know, any component of where you're, we're typically used to an in-person reality or in-person layer is going to feel off. I think there are people that are coming up generationally that have entirely gone to college online or take 30% of their classes. So for them, it feels more natural and it, and it doesn't feel off than when you're onboarding or joining a company and you're in a different place than everyone else. So I think it's a very behavioral base and it just takes time for us to all kind of adapt to that. And I think over that past 16 months, we've seen a massive change from the way in which people engage with their organization, as well as the way in which they feel engaged and would never have said they felt this level of engagement prior to the pandemic if you were to tell them they were going to work remotely. Yeah, I do think that, you know, companies are going to have to rise to this challenge to meet what workers are saying that they want in their lives. And I think we can't reiterate enough that that looks different based on your tenure, your role, the organization as a whole. How do you recommend organizations find out what their employees need or want? Or is there something that you guys have done in that regard? Yeah, I think constantly talking to your employees, looking at them more like customers and the organization is there to support them. How can you gather the feedback both anecdotally, quantitatively, and then eventually behaviorally to understand what's working and what's not? Our best resource, our number one resource from an organization perspective is our people. Absolutely. Any knowledge-based company, any company that has an office-based or traditionally office-based workforce, their number one resources are the people. And so those are the source of truth. Those are the people you need to be talking to from an organizational perspective on an individual and collective basis to understand what are the trends, what are the things that they want to see to keep them engaged, excited, happy in order to create that environment and really that company culture and productivity that leads to uh, overall objectives from an organization perspective. Yeah. And, you know, finally, Adam, what tips would you have for a manager, maybe a first time manager or a newer leader in an organization who's leading a hybrid team? I think it's important to take the perspective of remote first. So what that means is even if, you know, 90% of the people are in the office, account for the perspective as if everyone is physically not there. Uh, and there are a lot of ways you can do that. You could have people on Zoom from their desk. You could set up the person who is remote in a different way so that they feel more engaged with the environment. Um, but it's really thinking in terms of, okay, let's not solve for kind of the majority of people, but let's solve holistically from, a, from an engagement perspective. And the way in which you engage and interact is more closer universally the same, irrespective if they're in the same city or they're, if they're working in another city. So I think just thinking through this notion of hybrid is accounting for not only the days in the office, but accounting for what are the days that people aren't in the office? And then how does that perspective and that overall uh, approach account for just a consistent experience from a team and an overall way in which everyone comes together? 
Yeah, I think remote first is a great way of looking at it in terms of making sure that you're not marginalizing or unintentionally overlooking those folks that are remote. Um, historically, you know, that is an issue that the people who are there and physically present, um, there's been research to show, do those folks get promoted more often? You know, are they rising in the corporate structure more quickly? And so if an organization can take that mindset of remote first, I think that could go a long way in helping to solve that issue. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, and I think it is also to your point on, you know, if it's a, some managing a hybrid team, one of the times you do come together and how do you layer that in? So there is an in-person component and how does the office play into that? That's those opportunities to really leverage that environment and make it a unique business resource and not just a, a space solution. Yeah, I will say for me, I personally love the benefits of working from home, but I miss interaction with my coworkers. I miss going out to lunch and just getting out of the office for a moment. You know, I find myself cobbling together some lunch from my fridge and just sitting in front of my computer. And so that social aspect for me has been an adjustment over the last year. And so I'm just trying to find creative ways uh, to stay connected and stay in contact with people, which I think is really important for people who are fully remote. Yeah, totally. A lot of people have said, you know, hey, when we're not able to see our colleagues, it's kind of the reason productivity has got up because you kind of take the fun out of the work. Um, so yeah, taking that perspective of there's a social component to work, there historically has been, there can be in the future. And we need to make sure to account for just the human behavior and social nature of us as, as human beings. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, Adam, I really want to thank you for joining us today. You've been incredibly insightful. Uh, Nine to Thrive listeners, thank you for joining us. We will be back next week with a brand new episode. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast in your favorite podcast app. If you're listening on iTunes, please give us a rating. Your rating helps other professionals and talent-minded people discover our program. For Nine to Thrive and all of us here at HCI, we appreciate you for tuning in.